Hello and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. I'm your host, Gabe Peterson, and this is the place investors go to gain actionable advice, learn about current market trends, and hear war stories from other professional investors out there in the field today. Before we get started, I have two quick housekeeping items for you. First, if you like this episode, we would very much appreciate a like, subscribe, and share. It is the best way to support the show and keep it running far into the future. Second, if you're a new investor looking to get started in real estate or an experienced investor looking to take your investing to the next level, I've created an ebook just for you that will cover how to find deals that are actually deals, how to finance those deals with little to no money down, and how to exit those deals for maximum value. On top of that, I throw in an insane amount of free bonuses that you'll have access to once you buy the ebook. All I charge is our admin costs to keep this show running. So if you're serious about real estate investing and want to create both active and passive income as an investor, head on over to the website at therealestateinvestingclub.com and click on the button that says, get the ebook in the upper right-hand corner to grab yourself a copy. With that said, let's dive right in. Today, we have a very special guest with us ready to drop some investor knowledge on you. So buckle up, grab your pen and paper and enjoy the ride. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Today we have with us Darren Smith. Darren, is after serving almost six years in the Army, Darren spent the last 18 years as a professional real estate investor. He has flipped, rented, and wholesaled hundreds of residential properties and in recent years has purchased several million dollars of industrial properties as long-term holds. Darren's greatest achievement has been to surround himself with an incredible team of, in of industry and military veterans who are every bit as passionate about helping people as he is, and his biggest supporters are his wife and son. Darren, I am super excited to have you on the show. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Great to be here. Awesome. As I said before we hopped on here, we always start with stories on the Real Estate Investing Club. So why don't you take us to the beginning? How did you get, how did you get into real estate in the, in the first place? I got uh, interested in real estate. I, I did. I also did computers for about eighteen years through the service and after. Oh. And I had a coworker where I worked a, a night shift job, and he was really big into real estate. And just through picking his brain and doing you know fix and flips and stuff, I, I basically read every book under the sun and uh, tried to learn as much from him and, and dove right in. So that was back in two thousand and three. Oh wow, nice. That was uh, before before the bubble. It was. And like most people during the last bubble, I, I made a bunch of money and then lost a bunch of money <laughs> in the crash, <laughs> learned a lot of lessons. Uh, and actually, I took about a two-year hiatus out of real estate, two, three, went back, got some uh, more computer degrees, uh, but really the passion for real estate was still there. So I dove back in probably about 2013 uh, again. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, anybody who went through that period, you know, they, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of losses, a lot of, uh, a lot of gains in the beginning, a lot of losses afterwards. So there's, it's a, it's a common story. It's awesome that you popped back into real estate because, um, you know, every, every burst is going to have another upswing after that. So glad to have you here. Um, why don't you take us, you know, you went, you focused on multiple different things in their intro. We talked about flipping, renting, wholesaling, um, and industrial. So how did you, how'd that progression go? I'm sure when you got started, you know, after that night shift, um, you didn't start in industrial, you started probably in single family. What was the, what was the progression like? Uh, I, I certainly did not. That, 
industrial was it's only been the last couple of years. I started like most people in in houses. You know, you know houses. It's easy to understand. Uh, where I actually made some mistakes back in the last run up was I st- uh, I started investing far away. Uh, I had to catch mm. a plane. It was actually down in West Memphis, Tennessee, uh, and I got invested in something I had no idea what I was doing. It was actually mobile home parks uh, and in very low I, t- I call it class D areas. You know, thinking oh these returns are great. Look at these numbers. Uh, and having no idea what I was getting into. And so that definitely cost me a lot of money and, you know, probably wiped out a lot of what I made flipping houses uh, and doing, doing on the, just, just the local residential stuff that I should have stuck to back then. How I got into industrial, as I said, I got out of real estate a little bit and then back into it um, in 13, wife and I moved out to Colorado Springs and Pueblo, Colorado, that area. I was still doing computers uh, and started a, what I thought was going to be a flipping business and realized very quickly that buying properties is super hard to find the deals. Mm. So I quickly thought, man, if I could focus on that, uh, let's transi- I transition that into wholesaling more. So instead of flipping, I would do one or two a year, but mostly focused on the marketing, you know, buying and selling properties uh, and yeah, trying to keep this short. But then <laughs> bottom line is four years later, my wife and I moved back to Pennsylvania. I'd made some really great friends, had built a really great team in Colorado and uh, through some of my acquaintances out there who were doing great things in real estate space, in the commercial space, mostly in retail actually is what they were focusing on, but a little bit of industrial. I started that back here in Pennsylvania. So when I moved back to Pennsylvania, I thought I'm going to focus just on the commercial side here, still kept my residential business out in Colorado. And I've been doing that ever since, just kind of uh, networking as much as possible, meeting every broker in town, uh, and then building out uh, the industrial business just, just here in South Central Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. That's really cool. So you, uh, I mean, you kind of are, you, you already built your business in Colorado. You know, you got your flipping business there. Um, you guys moved back to the East coast, but you kept your, your Colorado business, right? You guys are still running, you're doing flips over there. That That's correct. Uh, it was, it was definitely a challenge. Don't get me wrong. And I have all but one of my employees are actually new since I have moved back. So that was, that was quite a struggle to get the team going independently and we are, st- I am still running with a fantastic team on the ground there in Colorado. They also, we opened up a residential wholesaling and flipping business in Pennsylvania here last March, right when COVID started. It's kind of an accidental thing. I had a friend who shut her business down, so I ended up purchasing that. And that has been a, a saving grace, really, because Colorado, the inventory is almost non-existent on the residential side. And so Pennsylvania has been, while still a hot market and still very tight, um, but it's been much better. So everybody there runs my Pennsylvania residential business. Uh, so it's kind of funny. They're, they're more the remote workers now than me. I'm, I'm the local. Guy. <laughs> doing You're the boots of the ground. Some way. Yeah. We, we, everything is different with COVID. Obviously there, there's not a lot of boots on the ground needed. I maybe every, you know, twice a month I'll have to run somewhere to grab a key or something, but that's about it. Wow. That's really cool. So do you guys, um, you know, just on that side of the business, are you guys more wholesaling or do you, I mean, what percentage is flips, what percentage is wholesales, that kind of stuff? Yeah, definitely more on the wholesaling side. We, we probably only flip four to six properties a year um, mm-hmm. and everything else has been wholesaling. Uh, okay. Now, some people did really well with COVID in 2020. Um, our residential business took a big hit out in Colorado. We had four or five months when COVID started that was really rough. Uh, it's since come back and things are, are are good again and we're we're building and we've we've leaned out a lot on a lot of our marketing spend um, but it is most it's still it is mostly wholesaling and we like focusing on that part of it 
Yep. Yep. And anytime um, I get a wholesaler on here or anybody who has a you know significant portion of their business in wholesaling, I always got to talk about marketing because that is what wholesaling is. It is a marketing game. Um, so what is what are the you know top three um, channels that you guys use that you see the best ROI for your marketing spend? That's an excellent question, and it's one uh, it's one I've struggled with over the years because we've we've gone from mass marketing spending twenty thirty thousand dollars a month to streamlining it down to you know under ten thousand, uh, and I think we're probably somewhere between ten and fifteen right now. As far as what's working, it changes so often. I, I doubt that there's been a year where one year to the next our our best source is still the best source uh, a year later. Hmm. I mean to to that point, we're probably only mailing maybe two to 3,000 mailers a month uh, at this point. And the reason uh, that we've been able to do that is we've taken what was this broad mass marketing to massive lists, and we've used a couple of tools, REI SIFT being one of them uh, that we like, and it's allowed us to really focus that down to just the niches, just the, the ones that we should target, and uh, spend our marketing just on those. So we do mailing, uh, texting and cold calling to uh, focus lists. And then I would say our our biggest source for about the last year has actually, as much effort as I've put into marketing and, and my team has put into marketing, it's paying other people for leads, to be perfectly honest. Uh, other people seem to be better out there. So those companies like a fast home offer and those types of uh, places where all you're doing is they do the marketing and you buy the lead and then you work the lead, that's actually been a really good source for us. Uh, 2019 and, and a good bit of 20, 2020, we're trying to get away from that a bit more. And that's why we're um, we're diving more into just our, our own niche marketing and, and hmm. really trying to maximize those dollars. Yeah, I've uh, I've heard of those kind of services. In fact, a number of people have reached out, um, you know, trying to get me onto that. But I, I don't know, for some reason, I never trusted that it was a viable option. I, I always think, you know, you guys are selling this lead to, you know, five other people out there. How do I know that I'm the only one who gets to do this? So you guys have had positive experience with, uh, with those kind of people who market and then sell you leads. It's uh, you have to be really good at what you do to make it work. So your, um, your point of you can get really cheap leads if they're ones where they sell to five, six other people. The only types of leads that we buy are ones where we are the only people seeing that lead. So it can be very expensive. Uh, I mean, on the cheap side, I think $75 per lead. Uh, and that's like in a county that you know nobody else is in up to, I mean, at one point we were paying over $1,000 out in Colorado for some wow. reason. Um, but on average, it's, it's a couple hundred bucks. But you have to have your systems so dialed in to make it work. Uh, yeah. We have a, a Slack channel and in texting. So it goes to all of us. And really, we're trying to get contact them within 60 seconds. If it's not in five minutes, it's a failure. That's a wow. fail. And we track that met metric every week. So when you're paying a couple hundred dollars just for the opportunity to get to talk to somebody, you need to be calling them multiple times in a row, texting multiple times in a row, you know, emailing them uh, to make it work. If you're not able to do that, I would, I would say it's in the same category as Google ads. Yep. It can be very expensive, but can be very profitable if you have your systems on point uh, to contact them. Yep. Yeah. I, we used to do uh, Google ads pretty heavily when I was doing single family and, um, they were they were relatively cheap. It was, I think it was like 120 a lead. Uh, but you're right. I mean, you got to have the back end just dialed in, or else it's uh, it's just a lost lead because those people are clicking other ads. They're uh, you're not the only person that they're going for. <laughs> That's true. 
Yeah, we, we pay for multiple sources and sometimes within less than a minute, they'll have like applied to multiple ones and we'll get the same lead. <laughs> I know the, the tenacity. I love it. Um, so you said you guys do one of your KPIs is 60 seconds after somebody, the lead comes in, you want to reach out to them within 60 seconds. That, that's our target. I'll, I'll, the KPI we technically track is the five minutes, but vast majority of the time it's less than 60 seconds. We don't take the time. We will we'll bring it up on Zillow and we're dialing the phone as we're looking it up as soon as it comes in. So, and then we let everybody else know in that channel, uh, Hey, we got it. And then we have you know, who's on coverage for weekends. It rotates between the four of us, uh, you know, to make sure something's always on. And then we back each other up. Very cool. And uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of KPI. So I'm just going to ask a few more questions here. Um, how many touch points do you, do you guys know how many touch points you have before you actually, um, you know, make a lead, a, uh, a you know, potential um, seller? We know, so our, our follow-up, a lot of it is automated, either an automated text or, or email, or it's automated in that we get uh, our lead manager and his assistant will get a task for when to call them. And it is a bunch of times in the first couple of days, and then it trickles after that. I wouldn't be able to tell you the exact number of those. I do know uh, we do get long-term follow-up leads. Like we have mm-hmm. ones that closed a year later, even years later, uh, stuff yeah. like that. But probably around the 80% mark are ones where we talk to them and we have that contract locked up within the first week. Um, and usually we're talking to them right away. Yep. It's, it's yep. usually a quick turnaround. So, so speed and then being able to get them talking to the right person. So that's another thing we have struggled with in the past that we are really good at now is if we get that lead on the phone, if it's good, I'm literally texting my lead, ma- I'm sorry, my acquisition manager right away. As soon as I feel like it's going to be a hot handoff and we transition that call right, right away. If you're, if you're trying to like, Oh yeah, well, help them call you back tomorrow. Not you've lost yeah, that lead. Not they're working. To somebody else. That was a, that was a tough lesson for, for us to learn is that you got to be on this instantly or else it's, it's a dead lead. Somebody else is going to pick it up. It is. Um, so I want to transition into industrial. I know, you know, that's a, that's a unique niche and it's something new that you've done in the past couple of years. Um, before I do that though, my niche is mobile home and RV parks. You talked about mobile home in the past. So I just got to ask what happened when you got, when you went into that, uh, that vertical. <laughs> it, as you have experienced, it can be a, a great, uh, thing to invest in because there's not a ton of competition in it. And if you do it right, it can be done well. I went in class D um, I had to catch a plane to get there. I trusted, uh, you know, people on the ground there, property managers and stuff that I didn't know from from Adam. Um, I was not, I didn't have the the capital backing me at the time to do it, uh, to, you know, in, in a significant way if something went wrong. And then I'm going to blame a little bit of on luck as well. I did it right when the market was starting to crash. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was supposed to be a big um, Toyota plan, I think, going in that I was kind of anticipating on that. That didn't happen. There was a big casino that was supposed to be going in. That didn't happen. Um, but 99% of the, the blame falls on me. Those those would have been things that would have saved me from my mistakes, not mm-hmm. things that I should have relied on uh, to, to make it work. And so yep. it was just a lot of non-payment and uh, people stealing out of the trailers and stuff. And I, I don't even really, the, the rental properties, the single family rental properties I have, I don't really buy anything that's much below the median home price for an area. Maybe, yeah. I mean, at least one third. I'm not buying a, a $40,000 house or depending on what city you're in, even a $100,000 house, just because I may make less of return on that property, but uh, the headaches and just the stability yeah. of it, uh, knowing you have a tenant in there, is, it's worth it. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. All right. Just had to go down that route real quick. Um, let's get into industrial. That's your, that's your new focus. It's your new area. So tell me about it. Um, industrial is a very big, it's a very broad term. 
what kind of assets are you investing in and why did you get into investor in the first place? Great questions. It is, it, it is like anything in real estate, you can kind of go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's, that's one of the things I like to do is, is to narrow the focus and do one thing. So I read a bunch of real estate investment books. I have friends that are doing, I mean, they literally own every asset class. And I thought, I'm not smart enough and I don't have the, uh, the attention span to focus on that many things at, at one time. So I went and I, I, I started looking at multifamily like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of great things about multifamily. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a great asset class. Uh, everybody's making money in it right now. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculously booming. But I looked at the cap rates. I looked at the competition. I went to, I went to a multifamily syndication event. And it was just, I thought, my gosh, everybody's doing this. Everybody's looking at this thing. And so then I started looking at what, what are the other options out there? Retail, office, industrial. And I thought, what is something that I would enjoy managing? Uh, what is something a little simpler? And then what is something that doesn't have as much competition? Uh, retail is retail can be very complex. Uh, I guess anything can be complex, but some of those leases and I was under contract on a 26 unit uh, retail strip earlier this year. Oh my gosh. By the time I dove into that, it was, it was just way more than I could wrap my head around <laughs> industrial. Most of the, the properties are single tenant. They're you know, maybe a couple of tenants if you have it divided up. Uh, so I, I really like that aspect of it. It does raise your risk profile because if you have a vacancy, um, you have to be able to, st- you know, whether you know, one of my properties, if you know, it's, it's a five-figure mortgage payment every month. And if I uh, don't have somebody in there, you know, that could really hurt after a while. The other thing I like is the less competition. Now it's, it's getting hotter because industrial is a hot asset class uh, at the moment, not like multifamily. But the cap rate spreads. Mm. I mean, I'm seeing, you know, class basically CD multifamily selling at, you know, seven caps, you know, for a mobile home park by the highway, you know, <laughs> you know that's <laughs> yeah. what it's going for. And, you know, you can just, you can do a lot better uh, in the industrial space because not as many people uh, are focusing on it, um, you know, in that area. So that's, and I, the other thing I liked about it was I could take a lot of my same skills I learned in the residential side and the houses and apply them right over to the industrial space for contacting people. And mm. so it's calling, you know, cold calling, it's mailing postcards and letters. Um, we haven't got much into the text. It's kind of like a one-off text thing just for people we haven't reached. So we're not doing any, anything mass. Everything in this, we just try and up the um, personalization of what we're doing to that next level. It's a nicer letter. It's one call at a time, one text at a time. Um, because your lists are so much smaller, you got to treat them with a lot more you know, care and love uh, to contact those people. And it's, it's been great. It, the, the relationships take a long time. I'm closing on a property next month uh, that I've been talking to the guy almost two years and we went under contract in December. So, you know, it's a long lead time on some of these to, to get the situations right. It's not on the phone, closing the property the next week, like a house. It's, yep. it's a different thing. It can happen. I have bought properties, you know, in a week or two in commercial, but not that many. Yep. That was a, I mean, that was the big, um, kind of lesson or eye opener for me when I got into commercial was, you know, as in single family, you, I, I had one close within a week. It was like, it was found it, closed it, done. But in commercial, I literally, I worked, I think it was six months before I found my first, uh, you know, mobile home park. Um, yes. and you know, it's a long time. And if you don't, if that's your only source and that can be, that can be difficult. Um, so industrial, when, when you say industrial, are you talking about like warehouse space? What, uh, what type of properties are you actually buying? What was the one that you just recently closed? Uh, the one will be closed next month. That, that was a manufacturing facility. They made car parts in it, uh, but it's a 30,000 square foot built in the 1980s. Uh, but it has, the nice thing about it is it has 
more power than, you know, you could power a city with, with what he has in there and then air run everywhere. So it's basically a big warehouse that was set up for additional things. So I'm not getting into heavy industrial where they're, you know, refining metals and, and anything. <laughs> I'm not advanced enough for the environmentals on some of those and some of the, the complexity. I mean, industrial could be a nuclear power plant. I mean, right, yep. not, not going there. Usually it's, it's, it's warehouse type space, or maybe it's been, um, build up a little bit more to, to handle some more things. I love the manufacturing side because on manufacturing, if you get somebody in there, you know, they're in there, they're, they got their whole build out. I mean, it's very expensive for them to move. Uh, and I, I like that about it, but really the area is what I, I look for more. I mean, you can give me a very nice building, but if there's not a lot else going around it, um, you know, I'm a little bit more nervous and my strategy for taking these down is let's say you bring me a building and it's very under rented or it's uh, maybe it's vacant. It's just me. It's me. It's my money or, or my partner's money. I do, I do work with private um, uh, partners quite a bit. And so they, they lend on the property and get, and get a great return uh, for their money, but still it's just me. I'm responsible for it. So what I'll do is I talk with the sellers and I find out how I can help them as same as that we do with houses. You know, how can we put you in a better place? You know, make this work if we're a good fit. And then I say, well, look, it is just me. I need to make sure I can actually get this thing leased uh, and, and make money off this thing. So how about this? If I can get you what you want, but I need a little bit of time to get a tenant in there. So unlike a house where you know you can get a tenant in there, some of these you're not so sure. So we'll go under contract and then I work with brokers and I just I call everybody else around and make sure, can I get this thing leased? Um, and if I can, once I get that LOI from the letter of intent from my tenant and make sure that I, I know I, this is something that'll work and all the numbers work, then we go to closing. So it's that little bit of that security for me. So I'm not closing on a property that you know, costs a, a ton of money that's now sitting there vacant for a long time. I, I can't afford that. Right. So in your due diligence period, you're actually finding, or at least you're verifying that you can find a, a tenant once you actually close. That That's correct. And depending on the price of the building, I either need to get an actual down payment and commitment from the, you know, from, from the, tenant the tenant that yes, yeah. it's happening or if it's a, a cheaper one, I just need to know, okay, my broker's like, yeah, we got this thing. This is, this is a non-starter. I got 10 calls the first week. Okay. Move forward. Let's close. Yep. So on, uh, on industrial, what's like a typical uh, cap rate that you're looking at? I'm, I'm trying to get at least, uh, at least an A cap on them, but like anything else, I mean, the, the class, the classes, you know, D to A, you know, if you're looking at multifamily in comparison, you know, very wildly, uh, really what I'm looking for is I like to see stuff that's around there, you know, are there, are there other supporting industries and, and businesses that this building is going to have a tenant base? So if it's a high quality, you know, uh, I know if this goes vacant, I'm gonna get it rented again. I'll do an eight cap. If I can get a little bit of seller, partial seller financing there, where maybe I put down part of it, they hold uh, part of it. Um, and then we get a bank loan for the rest. Uh, that allows me to get in a little bit lighter, but I have, I have another property I'm actually visiting next week. It's one where, uh, it's a great return. It's, uh, we're probably looking, I mean, it's advertised as, you know, in, in running the guy's numbers about a 10 and a half cap, but if it goes vacant, it's in an area that I'd, I'd really be mm. struggling with. So that's kind of a risk versus reward of, am I willing to take a ton of cash flow on this thing? And I think it's stable. I think the tenant's been there like 15 years and I think I'll be good. But if they leave, um, if the, you know, around there, the, the area would not support a new tenant uh, at the rates that they're paying. So I, I'd be tricky. So that's what you got to factor. If you're, if you're getting started, I'd say, you know, probably going a little bit safer is where you want to go. You want something that maybe is a little more conservative where you know, you can re-rent it and you're not having to eat that mortgage payment and everything else every month. Yep. Makes sense. 
All right. Well, hey, we blew through our uh, our 20 minute mark. So it's time to jump into the quick question round. You ready? I'm ready. All right. We always start with books. So give me two book recommendations, one for general life wisdom and one for um, real estate. For general life wisdom, there's a, gosh, there's so many uh, that I can mention, but the one that probably mentally for me clicked and uh, made a huge biggest impact, it was Darren Hardy's The Power of Habit. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Wow, a lot of your listeners have probably listened to it, but it was something about the way, uh, you know, that like everything you're a little bit, if you're starting to, you know, start a workout routine in the morning, let's say you can't, you don't have time. You only have five minutes. Well, did you get up? Did you put your clothes on? Did you go down? Do one push up? jump up, leave the room. Okay. Yep. It was, it was ingraining those little things. So all that little stuff, it allowed me or it forced me to be very conscious of when I say, I'm going to try something or I'm no, I'm going to do this thing. If I'm going to try yep. it, I can let myself off. It's not a habit I'm trying to build. If I say I'm going to do it, uh, I don't care what it takes. I'm going to do it for whatever I promised myself I would do it. And if I get to the end of that and I still don't want it, I can quit at that point. Um, so it, it's allowed me to become very good I'm very good at building a habit now. If I want to build a habit, I'm going to build that habit. So that's probably <laughs> one of my uh, one of my favorite quotes is um, "99 percent's a, a bitch, 100 percent's a breeze." Talking about commitment, <laughs> if you're 99 percent in, it's a bitch. It's not going to work out. If it, if you're 100 percent committed, then you can do it. Yep, you have no choice. There, there's no you don't have to think. Oh, should I do it today? Should I not? No, you're just doing no it. I get many times I jump. Oh, I forgot to do it today. 11 o'clock at night, jump out of bed. You know, you do it. It's anyway. Uh, the, the the real estate book. Gosh, there's there's so many out there again, but I have to go back to the basics and the ones that made a mind shift change for me. And it's not specifically real estate; it's more business. But it was uh, the the four hour work week, mm. and it was because I had never thought. I mean, I was I made really good money working in computers for years, and so I thought real estate was just kind of this side thing where you know, okay, I'll build up some extra cash, maybe retirement income, that kind of thing. It was the first time that I thought, man, I can actually build something where I am not trading hours for dollars. And yep. it gives you a ton of tips on how to do it and, and strategies. And I know people are going to go grown. Oh, no, you, you don't work four hours a week. I don't. I work. We all work way more than that. <laughs> but it was the thought of how you can take the things you're doing now, condense them into way less time, you know, eliminate, delegate, automate, um, and then go and, and build that and scale it, you know, which is what we're doing. Yep. Yep. I love it. All right. Moving on. Um, the next one is for your younger self. So if you could go back way, way back to when you were in, um, when, when you were in it, you had no ID idea about real estate. Maybe it was just an idea in your mind. Um, you're working that graveyard shift hearing from your coworker, go back to that version of you, give him one piece of advice moving forward. The again, again, so many. Um, I, I gotta, I gotta do two. I, I have, I have to say, one would <laughs> be, won't be focused. Just, just stick, stick to the one thing you're trying to do and and nail that. So, one marketing channel. Stick mm. with that one channel. One class of house. One neighborhood. Whatever it is, and just nail that one thing. And then, when you're making money on that, take those proceeds and pour it into another. The shotgun effect does not work on anything that you're trying. So that'd be the one thing. Yep. The other one was. Uh, that's been huge for me is, is being in a mastermind and they have them at all levels. And so I'm in one, um, it's called seven figure flipping. And so I'm in the, the, the high level now, but even back then they had, I think he has two or three classes, uh, of entry start there, get in a forum where people are doing, where you can ask questions back and forth. Um, there's gonna be a, a lot of, uh, 
uh, squirrels out there. It's going <laughs> to make you not want to focus, <laughs> but, but if you could just stick with that and just um, learn, learn from other people and their mistakes, uh, you'll go a long way. I would not be where I was uh, if I hadn't surrounded myself by some really high level people doing cool things. Yep. Both, uh, both great pieces of advice, especially the focus. When I got started, I know I was just going every direction, got nothing done. You really <laughs> got to choose one thing and just, uh, and just go towards that. Uh, moving on next question. So we, uh, oops, I lost my list. There we go. Um, habits, you've already mentioned them. Habits are, are huge. They're paramount to, to success. So if you could point at one habit in your life that you feel contributes the most to your overall happiness, well-being, and success, what would that habit be? Uh, that habit would be uh, planning out uh, my week and time blocking. And again, people are going to groan. I detest doing this. I am ADD. I am all over the place. The schedule never looks like it never actually happens how it's laid out in the book. That's not the point. The point is, did you make your list of things you had to do that week and then put them in specific times during the week? So you have to move them because you have to move them. Now it's like front of mind and you you're going to get it done a lot more likely. So that's it. I use a boldly and co calendar and I, I actually use a PDF version on an iPad so I can write there with my iPad pen, uh, you know, what I'm doing and just copying over it over every single week. Um, that's it. Plan, plan your week out and, and time block it in. And I hate it as much as you guys do, but trust me, it works. <laughs> <laughs> boldly and co. I'm going to have to check that one out. Um, next question is location. So, you know, there's millions of places in the U S to invest. What area are you most excited about right now? Where I'm at in, in South central Pennsylvania, uh, Colorado, we, we went from, I don't know the exact number, but I know we had, I know we did 53, uh, deals in Colorado in 2019. And I don't know what the final number was, but I bet it was less than 20 in 2020 in Colorado. Oh, wow. And so, I learned that, man, where you're at makes, makes a massive difference. There's people smarter and better than me that can, you know, that can succeed, succeed in really tough markets. But I like South central Pennsylvania and Southeastern. It is growing. As long as you have a population growth, you don't want to be in some area that's, you know, declining because you will always be chasing that rabbit. Um, but it's hot here. There's, there's a ton going on and I, and I, I live here now, so it makes it really nice to network and go grab coffee and lunch and, and build. Perfect. Love it. Uh, final question. And this one is for everybody listening and watching. You've given us plenty of good wisdom to think about. I'm sure there's people wanna, who want to reach out and say hi. So what's the best way for them to do that? would love to talk with anybody uh, about any of, of this that we've talked about. Um, or if they're more interested in you know, more passive type investing, I, I have a lot of private lenders who make great returns from their retirement, that kind of stuff. But you can reach me at uh, Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N, at sellmyhouse2smith.com. Perfect. And I will put that link in the show notes. So if you guys want to reach out to Darren, just go ahead and click that little more in the description. The full description will pop down in there. You'll be able to find the link, click through, say hi. Um, so yeah, that's it, Darren. Thank you very much for hopping on the show today. You as well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. For everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason that we do this. So we appreciate having you here. Other than that, I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic week. Keep rocking real estate, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed putting it on, and we're able to pull some actionable advice that you can apply in your own investing today in the field. Before you go, we have a gift for you. If you're a new investor looking to get started or an established investor looking to invest, take your investing to the next level. I've created an ebook just for you available on our website. 
This ebook ebook will cover how I was able to create both active and passive income in real estate with very little money to start with. In it, I will address the three most often cited obstacles new and veteran investors run into by showing you how to find deals that are actually deals, how to finance a deal with little to no money down, and how to exit those deals for maximum value. And if you get the ebook today, I am throwing in a bundle of bonuses, seven of them to be exact. The first one will be the off-market lead generation blueprint, which will take you through the exact systems and processes we use to generate off-market leads like clockwork, which is the most important skill when it comes to creating wealth in real estate. The second bonus is the A to Z REI systems and vendors guide, which will allow you to peek under the hood of our business and see the exact tools, systems, and even the vendors we use to see the success that we do. And the third bonus is the top 100 best performing keywords pack, which is which will give you the exact keywords we use to target motivated sellers online using PPC ads. The fourth bundle is, or the fourth bonus is our contracts bundle for wholesaling and renting real estate, which will give you access to all the contracts we use in the field to execute all different types of transactions. After that is the investors quick analysis calculator and offer tool, which will allow you to quickly calculate whether a deal is an actual deal and will allow you to create an offer automatically from those calculations. This is a lot of uh, a lot of bonuses that I said. I'm just going to keep going down the list. Number six is the investor's daily success tracker, which is a tracker you can use to ensure you are taking the right actions day in and day out to reach your financial goals in real estate. And the last bonus is the wholesalers template for quick assignment cash, which will give you the templates we use to present our wholesale deals professionally and efficiently to our buyers. That is a bundle. So it's a mouthful. You get all of those bonuses for free when you download the ebook. All we charge is the admin cost to run the show. So if you're interested in the ebook and the bonus bundle, head on over to the website at therealestateinvestingclub.com. Click on get the ebook bundle at the top of the page to take advantage of that deal. And with that said, I hope you have a fantastic day and even better week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the invest with us button. That'll pop up the investor form, fill that out, and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.